Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. God is a good God. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. So good. So good. So good. Thank you. So good. And very, very much aware of you. He's very much aware of you. You're very much aware of you. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. God is good. And I believe that the experience that you have today will confirm to you that God is aware of you. He knows where you are. Yeah, he knows where you are and he knows where he wants to get you. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So you come ready to hear from God? Yes, sir. You come ready to receive a word from God? Amen. Come to have an encounter with Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we are, um, we are in the year of stability. Amen. Amen. This is our year of stability. And we know that that's not just, you know, something that we say. That's not just a catchy, you know, uh, term, a moniker for the year. It's not just a, you know, a creative theme, but it's a word from God. This is our year of stability. It's a revealed word from God. It's not something that we came up with. It's not something, it's not something that we've petitioned of God. Understand that? There are things that you can ask God for, and then there are things that God says he's going to do. So this being your year of stability, this isn't something that we went to God and said, God, we want this to be a stable year. You understand? Amen. God said this is going to be a stable year. Amen. This is a big difference. Yeah. Right? Amen. Because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Amen. This is our year of stability. So we started this year um, just then now seeking him, seeking, okay, God, what needs to happen and what needs to take place? How do we need to think to have that manifest? And he set us on a course. And we started this year understanding that, you know what, we need to declare the end from the beginning. Right. We need to see the end right here in the beginning. We need to approach every situation. We need to approach every situation with it in mind that God has an expected outcome for me. So even as I face challenges, I don't allow the challenges of life and the things that happen in life to be more real than what God said. God said what he said concerning me before the challenge showed up. The challenge doesn't change what God said. So even though challenge is present, God still said this is the year of stability. And what God says is true. As life happens, the winds blow, the waves crash, the boat is filling up with water. Like Jesus, I can rest even in this place because God said this is the year of stability. Right. We went further and, and he, you know, we pivoted at this place. Where God said that, you know, in this year of stability, you've got to understand the value of relationships. You've got to understand that who you have with you in this process is very important. And you've got to be, begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in understanding who you need to have in your boat and who's staying at the shore. Right. Because the people who are in my boat are in my boat are people who share my values. Because we're going in the same direction. I'm not forsaking the people that I'm leaving at the shore. But what I'm understanding is that as I go through this process with God, he's equipping me. He's, he's developing me. The greatest part is that I'm going to experience something. So now I'm not walking around just saying that God is our provider. But I've, because I've gotten in the boat and I've gone through the process, I've seen his provision. I know he's provider. I'm not just saying that God is a healer, 
But I got in the boat. I'm going through the process. I've seen his healing. I've had experience. The disciples that got in that boat with Jesus, before they got in the boat, there are already things that they thought about him. Before they got in the boat, they had ideas. Before they got in the boat, they were still at that place where, you know what, this, you know, he's, he's, he's Messiah. He's doing some Messiah type things. Maybe he's the Messiah. I'm still looking for evidence. They got in that boat. The storm came. Jesus spoke to the storm and the storm calmed itself. They had an experience that let them know, oh, this is the real deal right here. And what God is saying is that this year, what's, what's coming, even what you're experiencing in your life right now, the storms that, that are challenging you right now, the end result of it is you're going to see him come through so that you know, oh, yeah, this is the real deal right here. This is the real deal right here. A part of having stability is having resolve, having conviction. Resolve and conviction come from experience. God wants you to have some experiences with him. See, the, the, the challenge is, is that many people, many people who doubt God, doubt without ever trying him. There are many people who walk away from God. There are many people who never even walk to God, and they have their reasons. But the truth is, you never, you never tried them. You never tried them. God is saying this year, this is the year where I'm, I'm going to wait on God. This is the year that I'm not going to bail out. I'm not running for support. I'm not running my to the mom and them like I used to. No, I'm going to wait on God. God's, I'm going to see his deliverance in this one. Why? Because in the end, I'm going to know that he's a deliverer. I'm not going to take the shortcut this year. I'm not going to try to patch it up and figure it out on my own. Not this year. This is the year I've heard that God is faithful, and this is the year that I'm going to see his faithfulness. I'm just going to wait and see him be faithful. This is the year I'm not going to rely on, on my own network or my own ability or my own education. This is the year I'm going to trust God. I'm going to tap into his wisdom, and I'm going to see what he's going to do. And at the end, after I have this experience, I'm stronger. I'm prepared to go back to that shore and actually be a blessing to somebody because I'm not moving off of what I think. I'm moving off of what I know. I've had an experience with him. So when I come back, I'm stronger. See, I'm empowered to empower. Not only am I looking for a hero to come and rescue me, but I realize that I've been empowered to be a hero for somebody else. This year, I'm not looking for refuge and safety, but I'm going to be a provider of refuge and safety. I can be a source of security and stability for somebody else. Do you understand that? That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing with us. And a few weeks ago, he brought us to this place where, you know, you have to understand that in, in, in being stable and having resolve, this, this impacts every area of your life. God isn't leaving anything out. God wants you to be stable in every area of your life. God wants you to have emotional stability. God wants you to be stable in your relationships. Here we are right now. God wants you to be stable in your finances. God wants us to be stable when it comes to money, right? So you know, I know there are things that we've heard, and I know that many of us already have a foundation of understanding when it comes to money and God's viewpoint of money. And what we're doing now is we're either adding to that foundation, or maybe there's some cracked stones in that foundation that we need to pull them up and replace them, okay? So here we are. We've entered into this, mess- this series of teachings titled The Giver. And today, you know, so appropriate, today's message title is Free Indeed. Free Indeed. I want you to go ahead and say that. Free Indeed. And I know we hear a lot about freedom and we say a lot about freedom and, you know, we just listen to a couple songs that talk about freedom. And most of the times in church, when you hear somebody say, you know, you be free, we often just relate that to your praise and your worship, right? Your praise and Free, being free means that you can dance and being free means you can, you know, shout and sing and do all of those, uh, all of those things. But don't limit it there. 
we're going to take it real. We're going we're gonna to go in and understand freedom. Today, we're gonna understand, you're going to understand that you're free. So we're going to talk from the title, Free Indeed. The purpose of this message is for you to understand that in order for you to even be able to give, in order for you to give, you've got to understand your freedom. In order for you to give anything to God, anything to the kingdom, you've got to understand your freedom. The purpose of the message today is for us to understand that a true gift, the real gifts, real gifts come from free people. Real gifts come from free people. You understand that? Maybe not yet, but you will. Free people freely give. Free people freely give. Free people freely give. The challenge is, is that many believers don't recognize their freedom. Many believers don't recognize their freedom. See, the idea that, 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 that many believers have, many church people have, is that, you know, I understand that I was once slave to sin, right? I understand that I was slave to sin. I understand that I was once a slave to Satan or slave to the enemy, a slave to the devil. I understand I was a slave to sin, but Jesus came and he freed me from that. But then the idea that we have is that Jesus freed us from sin and then shackled us. So now I'm no longer, I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to Jesus. And we enter into this relationship with Jesus out of obligation. And we try to serve and we try to give and we try to do these things out of what we believe we're obligated to do. I mean, it's even in our social, social lives. We do the same thing. Somebody do something good for you, no matter who it is, no matter what their motive is, somebody does something good for you and you automatically feel like you're obligated to do something in return. And we reproach God with the same thinking. You know, he set me free, and now I'm, I'm living this obligated life. But the purpose of the message today is to let you know that you are free. Amen. When Jesus set you free, he set you free. Oh, goodness. And I know in your minds, you know, some, it, 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 you don't even, we don't even like to approach that area. We don't even like to think about how free we are. And it's even challenging hearing someone tell you that you are absolutely free. No, like you are really free. Like you're free to do whatever you want to do. But we don't want to really go there because we understand that there's there's safety in somebody just telling me what to do. I don't trust myself with freedom. I don't really trust myself with liberty. I don't trust that I'm going to make the right decision. I don't trust that I'm going to do the right thing. So I'd much rather somebody just tell me what I'm supposed to do because there's safety in that. But I want you to know that when Jesus set you free, it's like he set you free and turned around and went about his business and just left you free. You are free, free to do whatever you want to do, free to make Whatever decision you want to make, you are absolutely free. Jesus didn't set you free and then hold you to some obligation to pay him back. That's not what he did. That's not what love does. Love doesn't operate like that. Jesus set you free and went about his business and left you free. I see some of y'all like rolling with me and some of y'all still like, man, what you talking about? I'm free. What you mean? I can do what I want to do. I can do what I want to do. Don't I have things that I'm supposed to do for God? Don't I have things that I'm obligated to do for him? I mean, he's my savior. Ain't I obligated to do some things for him? Isn't he expecting some things in return from me? I'm here to tell you that he set you free. He sets you free. He sets you free. And the problem is, the reason that we have to talk about this, because now, you know, the second thought that you have is, what does this have to do with giving? What does this have to do with money? I know, I thought you said that we're going to enter into this this message series so we can learn how to be givers and and good money managers. 
which is stewardship. I thought you wanted us to be exceptional stewards. What does this have to do with stewardship? Because I'm also here to tell you that you can't even give a real gift without understanding that you're free. You can't even begin to give anything without understanding your freedom. And the challenge with many people, the, the, the double life that we live is because we don't understand that we're really free to do what we want to do. And the reason that you're not able to bring your whole heart is because you really ain't free. You haven't really freed yourself. You haven't accepted the freedom that he's given you. And we're operating from obligation instead of freedom. Because any true gift, a true gift is the gift given freely. A true gift is given from a person who understands that I didn't have to do this. But I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, glory. We're about to take our worship to another level now, man. I'm telling you. You ready for it? Listen, even people outside of the church, there are many people who run from God because they think God is controlling. There are many people who run from God, run from Christianity because they think Christianity is a religion. They call Christianity a religion, and religion is restrictive. Religion is restrictive, but the thing that they fail to understand, and here's a point for you, the thing they fail to understand is that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. And the thing they fail to understand is that, yes, God is in control. God is God. God is sovereign. The scripture says that he turns the hearts of kings. God is in control, but he is not controlling. Come on now. He's not controlling. He's in control, but he's not controlling. I mean, there are times in my life that I wish he was controlling. I wish, I wish, I mean, there's some situations where I went to him like, I wish you'd be more controlling right now. I wish you'd just do it for me. I wish you'd just do what I don't want to do. You know what to do. you telling me what to do. You know I don't want to do it. Just make me do it. Use my hands. Make me do it. Yeah. I wish there were times where he was more controlling. That will take me out of the way. But he is not controlling. You were made a free moral agent. You were made to be free. You understand that? You were made free, right? So we don't have to run from God because because he is controlling. He's in control, but he is not controlling. We don't have to run from Christianity because it's restrictive. Christianity is a relationship. See, the thing that we have to understand is that we are absolutely free. We are free moral agents. We are free to choose. We're free to make choices. We're free to choose. We're free to make choices. However, however, some many, many, many years ago, many moons ago, there was a man named Adam. Y'all remember Adam? Your granddaddy. Great, 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 many, many greats, right? Adam, Adam was the first man. You know what that first man did in that garden, right? Yeah, he disobeyed God, didn't do what God told him to do. And the scripture, according to Romans chapter 5, I encourage you to read it, Romans chapter 5. Scriptures in Romans chapter 5 shows us that through that one man, through Adam, through what he he failed to do through his sin, through his transgression, sin entered into the world. And through his transgression, then all of men, all of mankind, everybody after him was brought into a sin nature, a fallen nature. Yeah. That don't sound fair. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair that through one man, because he messed up, now now his mess up, I got to pay for his mess up. But that's what happened. I mean, and that happens a lot in society. You think about it, that happened even on your job. Think about some of the rules that you got on your job, right? You only allow a certain limit of copies, right? You know why they made that rule? Because somebody before you made a whole bunch of copies. And now even though you didn't do it, you suffer because of something somebody else did. I mean, that's how it goes. 
You know, that's where most rules come from. Somebody just went overboard and went extreme, and now the rest of us are under these laws because of somebody's bad choice. Yeah, and that's what happened in the beginning. Adam messed up. Adam messed up. Now everybody else that came after him was born into this sin nature, brought into this fallen state because of his mess up. That don't sound fair, does it? I don't think it's fair. God didn't think it was fair either. You know what he did about it? He sent Jesus. And that same chapter in Romans 5 says that even though Adam messed up and, and, and all of mankind entered into sin because of his mess up, Jesus came and fixed it. Jesus came and gave his life and became righteous. And now all of mankind has righteousness, has, an, has access to righteousness through one man, Jesus. So Adam messed up and enslaved everyone to sin, everybody, the people who are religious and the people who are not religious, people who who claim to know God and know Jesus and the people who don't, people who don't want to have anything to do with spirituality. Guess what? They were still shackled. It affected, it impacted all of mankind, everybody. You know, they, they estimate that since since. You know, the world started, there was about 100 billion people who have lived. From 80 billion to 100 billion people who've lived. And guess what? All 80 to 100 billion were impacted by Adam's decision. All of mankind were impacted by his decision. All of mankind was stuck in a cell with the door locked and closed because of his decision. But because of Jesus' decision, all of mankind, all of mankind got free. Everybody, everybody. What Jesus did didn't benefit just a select few. What Jesus did didn't benefit just the people who look to him or seek him. What he did benefited everybody, all hundred billion people, people not even born yet. What Jesus did was for everybody, didn't leave anybody out, even your cousin Pookie, who you think ain't no hope for Pookie. What Jesus did was even for Pookie. What Jesus did was even for the worst, worst offender, the worst person you can think of. What Jesus did was good enough for them too. So where do we stand? The the way that I see it in my mind is the place that we stand. So all of us were once in a jail cell, door closed and locked because of Adam. Jesus came, gave his life as a sacrifice, and the door swung open. The door swung open. Everybody's door is open. Everybody, not excluding anyone, everybody's door door is open. The cell door is unlocked and open for everyone. What does John 3 16 say? For God so loved the world. Did he exclude anybody? No. What Jesus did was for everyone. It was for the whosoever. It's for everybody. Now, the difference is, is that when the door opened, there are some people who stepped out, and there are some people who stayed in. But the door is open for everybody. What Jesus did was to benefit everyone, excluding no one. Y'all understand that? Jesus Jesus' sacrifice was good for everybody. The people who haven't chosen it or received it, they don't need another sacrifice. People in the generations to come, they're not going to need another Jesus. What Jesus did was good for everybody. You understand that? Everybody. Jesus made freedom available to everyone. Glory to God. Adam's sin subjected all mankind to the oppression of sin, but Jesus came and freed us from that oppression. See, we were, a, we were a guilty by association. 
You're guilty because you're human, right? But then Jesus came and took the fall for everybody. Jesus took the fall for me. He took the fall for me. He paid my penalty, paid my ransom, paid the cost. Now I am free, and you are too. Amen. 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 Romans 6, Romans 6, verse 7 says it this way. It says, for when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. When a man dies, he's free from the power of sin. The wage of sin is death. So when you died, you're free from sin. Right? But we don't have to wait until we die physically. I don't have to wait until I die from this life, die from this body in order to gain my freedom. Because the verse above that, verse 6 from the Easy Reader version, it says this. It says, we know that our old life, my old life was put to death. My old nature was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that our sinful selves would, would have no power over us. Then we would not be slaves to sin. When Jesus got on that cross, my old nature, the nature that Adam started, that fallen nature was put on the cross with him. So the, I died a long time ago. And at my death, when I was nailed to that cross with him, when my own sinful life, my sinful nature was nailed to the cross with him, guess what happened? It was put in the tomb with him. And guess what happened? It was buried with him. But guess what happened? My new life was raised with him. Glory to God. That's worthy to give God some praise right there. I was resurrected with him. My new life is hid in Christ. Go down a few verses to verse 16, and it says this. So it was the grace of God that freed me. It was the grace of God that paid a penalty for me. It was the grace of God that ransomed me. It was the grace of God that purchased me. It was the grace of God that aroused me, awoke me, and stirred me up, and resurrected me, and brought me into this new life. And Romans 6, 16 says, don't you realize that grace frees you? Grace frees you. Frees you. But this is what you got to understand, that Jesus isn't like man. When men do something for you, they want something back. Somebody might just do something for you just to get in your good favor. Yeah. Yeah. They give you a birthday gift because they know their birthday coming. That's, right. That's what people do. Right. But grace frees you. And so we've lost the, the actual meaning of what it means to be free. Grace frees you. Listen, folks, I'm not saying that he freed you so you could be his, so you can belong to him. He didn't free you and then shackle you. He didn't free you and then make you his slave. No, he just freed you. The love of God saw the condition that you were in. The love of God saw you as a slave to sin. And the love of God knew that the only thing sin pays is death. And the love of God said, I don't want that for you. So the love of God said, I'm going to send somebody to take care of that for you. So it was the love of God that sent Jesus. It was the love of God that put him on the cross. It was the love of God that he died. But that same love, that same love, the same love that took the shackles of sin off of you, the same love that opened up that jail cell to let you out, that same love allows you to be free. Yes, sir. That same love lets you be free. It's not love to obligate people. It's not love to oppress people. It's not love to force yourself on people. So the same love that, that sets you free 
left you free. Oh, my goodness. There's power in being free. We're going to find out that there's power in being free. There's value in understanding my freedom. See, the scripture says right here, Romans 6, 16, that the grace of God frees you so that you can choose. Now, if Jesus made the choice for you, then there wouldn't be a choice to make. If Jesus, by his love, if he freed you and then made you a slave, you wouldn't have a choice. Imagine that type of love, that type of love that made a sacrifice for all of humanity and didn't obligate anybody to do anything. That's some love right there. That's a love beyond what we can imagine. That's a love beyond anything that we've experienced here on this earth. But that type of love freed every person and didn't ask for anything in return. I just want you free. And now that you're free, the grace of God frees you so that you can choose. The fact that we have a choice to make, again, defines that I am free. Because only free people have choice. Only free people have a choice. Imagine that type of, see, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is why we have a challenge in understanding this. Because most of the people that we used to dealing with, they empty, they insufficient, they deficient. So we know already that if they're doing something, it's because they want something, right? Because they need to be filled up. And we're not used to dealing with people who absolutely have everything that they need, don't have any needs, don't want nothing. God's already full. God's already sufficient. God's got everything. Don't want nothing from you. Don't need nothing from you. God's got it all. He's filled up. So everything that he does can be done in love. I'm not asking for you to do anything because I'm good. And we're not used to dealing with people like that. Amen. So we, it's hard for us to understand that Jesus actually did something for me and he didn't ask for me nothing back from me. God was like, I'm good. I am really good. I'm God. I got everything that I need. I just see you in this situation and I just want you free. So he was willing to do what it took in order to get you just to be free. He freed you and went about his business and he left you in this position of freedom. And now in your free state, now with your freedom, he says, you're free to choose. You choose. You choose. No sweat off my back. No sweat on my brow. You free. I did what I did out of love for you. I just wanted you to be free. Now you're free. Now you're free to choose. The choice is yours. Here's a point for you. Jesus didn't free us and shackle us. Jesus freed us so that we be free. John 8, 36, 36 says, so if the son liberates you, if he makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. Same verse from the King James Version says, if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Shout free indeed. Shout I'm free indeed. I'm free all the way. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. You're free. You are free. You are free. You're free to choose. You're free. Absolutely free. Free from any obligation. You don't owe your flesh anything. You don't owe sin anything. You don't owe the enemy anything. You are absolutely free. Now that you are free, here's the question. What will you do with your freedom? What will you do with your freedom? Now that you're free, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your freedom? Paul understood this. Paul says, I'm a free man. Paul says, I owe no man anything but to love him. I am absolutely free. Paul says, I'm going to take my freedom and make myself a slave. I take my freedom and I make myself 
a servant. Understand the beauty in the gift. I'm taking my freedom. I am free to do whatever I want to do. But I'm going to take my freedom and I make myself a slave to righteousness. I take my freedom and I make myself a slave. Now that I'm being set free, I've been set free from sin, I make myself a slave to righteousness. This is my free choice. This is my free gift. And it's a real gift because it's a gift given freely. It's a real gift because it's a gift given freely. It's a real gift because it's a gift not given out of obligation. It's a real gift because it's a gift given, not given because I was compelled to or pushed to or I felt like I have to or I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. No, it's a gift because I'm giving it freely. I don't have to do it, but I'm choosing to do it. That's what makes it a real gift. I ain't got to do this but I'm doing it anyway. Because the truth is, you can never give from a place of oppression. Oh, shoot, I said more than what you returned back to me. You can't give from a place of oppression. You can't give where you're not free. You can't give where you're oppressed. You can't give from a place where you're really suppressed. You can't give from a place where you are really enslaved. You can't give from that place. Because whatever you're trying to draw from that place don't belong to you. You can't give from a place of oppression. And this is the thing. This is the problem. This is the tension. This is it right here. This is why we need to understand our freedom. Because if I'm oppressed, if I see myself as oppressed, then I really can't give to God. If I don't see that I'm actually free indeed, then anywhere I'm trying to draw from, it don't belong to me. So then that's not a true gift, because I can't give you what I don't have. I can't give you what I don't possess. I can't give you somebody else's stuff. This is what God understood when he looked at Israel. Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. God's purpose for sending them Moses, he says it, and he didn't take chapters to explain it, so often we forget it. Matter of fact, I think he just used one verse, one sentence to explain his reasoning. He didn't do what he did to show the world that he was a mighty God. That wasn't his main purpose. He didn't set Israel free to show the Egyptians that he was the greater God. That wasn't the main purpose. The main purpose was a one-liner. It's just one line. I want them free so that they can worship me. Because as long as they're slaves, they can't give to me. They can't serve me. They can't worship me. They don't belong to themselves. (laughs) What they have don't belong to them. So they can't sacrifice to me because you can't give from a place where you're oppressed. And that's why some of us have challenges in going all for God right now. Because there's places that you're oppressed. There are experiences that you've had in life and you're still there. And you're still bound there. And you're still shackled there. And you want to give God, you want to give to God, but you can't give from a place that you're oppressed. You can't give what you don't possess. Amen. A true gift comes from a free person. You got to understand when Jesus set you free, he set you free in deed. He set you all the way free. God wanted Israel released from Egypt so that they could worship him. God won't even ask you for somebody else's stuff. God won't even ask you for something that doesn't belong to you. He won't do it. God, he can't do it. He's too just to do it. He's too just to ask you 
to give him something that you don't even possess. It's not even yours. He won't do it. I'll prove it to you. It was tax time, like it is now in America. But back in Jesus' time, they paid taxes too. One of the disciples came, or the people tried to, you know, catch Jesus in a little trick and asked him, what you think about, you know, taxes? Do you pay taxes? Jesus' response was, give God what belonged to God. Give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He didn't say, give God what belongs to Caesar. If it belongs to Caesar, give it to Caesar. If it belongs to God, give it to God. You can't give what don't belong to you. You can't present to God gifts that belong to somebody else. You got to understand your freedom. (laughs) Glory to God. You know, some years ago, I think it was around Christmas time. I think it was Christmas because I remember wrapping the gift. I was maybe in the third grade. I think I was in the third grade. And I wanted to give my mom a gift for Christmas. I wanted to give her something that she liked. But I'm in the third grade. I don't have no money. I can't go to the store. So I did what in my eight-year-old mind thought was the next best thing. I went in her room. I want to give her something that she liked. If it's in your room, you must like it. So I went on her bookshelf. I pulled a book off of her shelf. I looked at the book. It was a Stephen King book. Remember Stephen King? Uh, He used to write on the books about animals, cats, and stuff like that. It was one of them books. Pulled the book off the shelf, looked at it. She must like this. It's hers, right? Wrapped it up and put a bow on it. And that was my gift to her for Christmas. It was real cute, right? (laughs) Only thing is, you can't give somebody that give somebody something that don't belong to you. It already belonged to them, right? Fast forward some years. I was maybe, I don't know, 23, 24 years old, just got out of college, just got out of school. And uh, man, while I was in college, you know, I racked up some credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, my oldest girl, Taylor, was about two years old. So, you know, baby need diapers and milk. My goodness. Man, that was back in the day when they put the Similac in them long cans, you know, them tall cans. You had to use the can opener and pop the size of it like that. She was going through them things, man. I had a little money saved up. I had a little money saved up from when I was in school, but I didn't have a job. And I got credit card debt, and I got a daughter. Who, my little savings was running out real fast. And that was back when the, when the debt collectors could call you whenever they wanted to. You know, so they called me, and it's just a bunch of pressure, a bunch of pressure, a bunch of stress. I can't hear from God. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is just too much. What am I supposed to do? I'm feeling like I'm obligated. To, of course, I'm obligated to pay these people that I owe. And, of course, I'm, I'm, I don't care what y'all talking about. My baby needs milk. I'm getting her some milk, and you're just going to have to wait. And then on top of that, I'm going to church, and I'm like, I got to give something to God. I ain't got enough. I ain't got enough to do all of this stuff. Right? I want to be blessed. I got to give to church. But at the same time, I'm taking this portion from you because I owe you. But you're going to have to wait because I got to get this milk and I got to get these diapers and I got to get a church. I'm going to give you a little something this week. But pressure, stress. I remember sitting down at my desk. I had a desk in my, my room and I got my bills laid out. And I'm trying to hear from God, but it's hard. I got this pressure on me. And I sat down at my desk. And I got those bills, and I'm wondering what I'm supposed to do. And Holy Spirit said, when the money is in your hands, you are free to do with it whatever you want to do. My goodness, that liberated me. Because in my mind, I thought that I was obligated to do some things. 
I thought there was things that I got to do. Yes, sir. But he said, when the money's in your hands, you are free to do with it whatever you want to do. So that reset the whole situation automatically put me in a position where the load is lifted. I no longer feel oppressed. I no longer feel shackled. I'm free. And because of my faith, what am I now free to do? I'm free to do what Israel did when they left Egypt. I'm free to worship God. I'm free to go to him and say, now, God, what do you want me to do? Because before I felt obligated. I felt I, I didn't have a choice. There are things that I got to do. I feel restrained. Ain't no real point in praying because I got to do this stuff. But when he said, no, you are free to do whatever you want to do. That meant also that I was free to keep it if I wanted to. I got a choice. So me and my faith, shoot, I'm going to take my freedom and I'm going to worship my God. So now I'm in a position where I can go to him and pray, God, what do you want me to do with this? And I was able to receive his wisdom and I was able to hear and he gave me some instructions and he told me what to do. And a very naughty situation got untangled real fast because I was free. I was free. He told me how to give, and he told me how to give to those I owe. He freed. I was free. I was free. And that's what we got to understand. He set us free to choose. We are free. It's your choice to make. Romans 6.16 again. Romans 6.16 Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? Grace has freed you to choose. So I can choose sin. I can choose myself. I can choose to serve sin. It's my choice to make. And there are millions of people who make that choice every day. I can choose to serve myself and be self-serving. I can choose to be my own God. I'm free to make that choice. And I'm also free to choose God. Look what it says. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully. For you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. Notice that you do have a choice Notice something else. You can't choose both. Can't choose both. You can't serve sin and God. You can't serve yourself and God. You can't serve money and God. You can't choose both. Matthew 6, 24 says you can't serve two masters at the same time. You end up hating one and loving the other. Or you'll be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve both. You can't have two gods because you'll end up conflicting with yourself. You can't serve two gods. You can't serve two gods. You can't serve yourself 
in God because eventually you're going to want to do something that God don't want you to do. Then what you're going to do? You're going to have to reject one to love the other. You can't serve money and God because money's going to lead you down a path and God's going to tell you to go right. Money's going to tell you to go left and you're going to be conflicting. You can't have two masters. You got to make a choice. And you can't make the choice or you can't make the decision to be indecisive. You can't decide that I'm not going to decide. Can't make that choice either. There's a man who tried that. Y'all heard the story about the man? Man sitting on the fence. I'll tell you the story because you probably never heard this one before. Man sitting on the fence. One side of the fence belonged to God. The other side of the fence belonged to Satan. Man sitting on the fence. Satan comes to the man and says, man, what you doing sitting on that fence? Man thought he was kind of smart. He said, you know what? I figured it out. I don't want to have nothing to do with God, and I don't want to have nothing to do with you either. So I'm just going to stay on this fence. Satan looked at the man and started laughing. (laughs) The man like, man, what you laughing at? Satan says, I own the fence. It's my fence. <laughs> Can't make a decision to not decide. You got to decide. Amen. To not decide is, a, is to decide. Amen. To not to decide is to make a decision away from God. You have to decide. Scripture says, choose ye this day who you will serve. You got to make a choice. You have to decide. You have to decide what you'll do with your freedom. You have to decide. Indecision is a decision. To be undecided is a decision away from God. The devil owns the fence. You have to decide. You are free, absolutely free, to choose. What will you do with your freedom? Stand on your feet. What will you do with your freedom? We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.